And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Rates and Barrels, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. Derek Van Riper, Eno Saris, Britt Giroli here with you on this Thursday night slash Friday morning, depending on when you consume this pod. Uh, hopefully everybody out there can enjoy something resembling a longer weekend with the holiday coming up on Monday. I think we're all in need of a little downtime here, uh, but lots to talk about on today's show. We'll check in on the playoff races with just one month to go before the postseason begins. We will talk about the Mets, who have become masters of fan engagement recently. And we'll look at September call-ups for some possible impact players that have been uh, called up here with roster expansion happening on Wednesday. Let's go right after it and start with the playoff races. Britt threw a question at us on Slack that I want to open with. Do we want Yankees-Red Sox in the AL <laughs> wildcard game? And I think when it was thrown at me this morning, Ian Kahn said, how about Garrett Cole versus Chris Sale? in a one-game playoff, and that got me pretty excited. So my snap answer to your question, Britt, is, yeah, I think I do want that on the condition that it is, in fact, Cole versus Sale. Yeah, well, right now Cole is lined up already for that wild-card game. So, you know, if you're the Yankees, and I think they kind of have resigned themselves to being the wild-card team, they don't have to worry about trying to pitch Garrett Cole that last series down in Tampa it should already be decided by then, which is kind of good. If they were closer to Tampa, they would run that kind of risk of, should we pitch Garrett Cole and try and win the division? But then, oops, we don't have Garrett Cole for the wild card. So um, I kind of agree with you. I think as long as the Red Sox aren't decimated by COVID and we get to see like a good game, yes. Oakland Yankees would be really good too, just because Oakland is pesky. Uh, we never know what they're going to do. And anything can happen in a one-game wild card. But think about some the history there too, right? They had there would be a rematch. Mm-hmm. Not not the same amount of history as Red Sox Yankees, though. I guess. Yeah, not quite the same as that rivalry. But I, I think that'd be a perfectly fine uh, AL wild card game. I, I think the bigger question, though, that Britt threw at us, which is also a great question, is who are the three best teams in each league? And for me, the American League is really easy. Finding the third team in the National League was particularly difficult. So I thought in the AL, it's Rays, Astros, White Sox in that order. To me, those are the three best teams in the American League right now. And that's not to say that the Yankees or the Red Sox couldn't do damage in the postseason. I think they certainly could. There's enough good on those rosters for those teams to hold their own against those first three. But I think the NL is way less clear. The Dodgers and the Brewers seem like they're kind of in their own little tier right now. But I'm curious who you each think is the third best team in the NL right now. What do you think, you know? Till like, was it two days ago, the Giants had the best record in baseball? <laughs> Rough week. I don't know. We, 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 went, we attended a game uh, uh, where they didn't look amazing. And then uh, the Brewers kind of, uh, tore their doors off, really. I mean, even with the even with the win today uh, for the Giants, I don't. I, I think that they. I don't know. The Brewers look like the better team. Even today, there was like a a Dames foul ball in the ninth that might have cut it to five three if it was if it had been you know you know a, a, a foot more fair. So um, I don't know. I say the Giants, though. I guess I yeah. I uh, Braves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clearly. Um, I was going to say, isn't it kind of funny that nobody, we're not even going to debate that it's the NL East, whoever wins in the NL East. It's got to be the, <laughs> yeah. the Giants. You could make the case that, like, 
The Padres have wildly underperformed, but they're still probably better than whoever wins the NL East, right? Mm-hmm. Don't you guys feel like? so? I think so. I, I agree. I'm going to go with Giants. Uh, I'm so glad that the topics that I threw out there are, are being used on this show, Derek. Uh, <laughs> hey, come you know, on. Just, I'm always open to ideas. <laughs> I, I, I think it's a good time of year to sit and, and, you know, we only have a month left. And I think it's really easy to say this is how it's going to go because this is how the month started. And nobody, that's because nobody can ever imagine 10-game losing streaks and 13-game win streaks, right? They're hard to predict. Um, I will say... Um, when we're talking about like teams that may sneak in, if the Cardinals get into the playoffs, they could be very dangerous. Let's let's keep in mind that ten years ago, a wild card team from St. Louis won the entire thing. So I, I think we talk a lot about strength of schedule with a lot of these teams. Like if the Padres make it in and make it through the wild card, would you want to play them? They've basically been playing only playoff teams for the last month, right? Isn't there? Something to be said for strength of schedule if you can manage to make it through. Same thing with the Cardinals. They have a tough schedule too. Versus like if the Phillies sneak in and they've been playing, you know, the Orioles basically and the Pirates. And then all of a sudden they're playing the Brewers and Woodruff's throwing 97 wherever he wants. And they're like, whoa, is this the same league? You know, I think there, there's something to be said for like strength of schedule um, on the flip side that, you know, everyone is talking about it and using it as a predictor. And that's great. Except the Colorado Rockies are a 107-win team at home. So they really throw a wrench into the predictor, depending on where you have the Rockies. They're a losing team, yes, but nobody wants to play them at home. No, playing at Coors Field when your season is on the line, even if they have nothing to play for, it's like playing in a funhouse. It's terrible. Like It's not fun at all. It's just miserable. I like this, I like this idea, though, because everyone's talking about how bad the San Diego Padres schedule is. But if they make it through... Uh, they make it through because their pitchers are all are all you know going on all cylinders. Like they're 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 big they're big four. They're, they're they're sort of front four starting pitchers get it back together. And they're Musgrove, Darvish, Paddock, and um, uh, and Snell are all just clicking. That's how they that's how they make the playoffs because the the opponents are so good. They have to beat the Dodgers. They have to beat really good teams to get in. And the only way to do that is to to sort of click as a team. So yeah, I kind of think that like if the Padres make the postseason, I think they're about as dangerous as anybody else. In fact, I, you know, I could almost make the argument for them over the Giants because I see some like high end talent there that I'm not sure the Giants have. And if they're all clicking, then then it's like a sort of a different conversation. Yeah, I think there's a, a few keys for the Padres. One more recently has become Yu Darvish, who is not pitching very well. They've been able to fix Blake Snell, like we talked about on Wednesday's show, in part by just simplifying the arsenal, ditching the changeup. They have to get Darvish right to be their most dangerous self. To, to be a legitimate, good playoff team, they need three healthy, quality starters. I think Snell's pushed his way back into that group just as Darvish has temporarily fallen out of it. So if it's a health-related thing, I don't think the Padres have the luxury of giving him rest right now. They have to keep pushing him out there because my concern with the Padres a couple of weeks ago was that they'd go through this difficult stretch of schedule, but they would burn out their bullpen over the final month of the season. So the bullpenning approach they were using a year ago in the playoffs wouldn't be as effective because so many of their relievers would be running on fumes in October. Like That's been the, the lingering concern. But one way to get away from that is to have Darvish and Snell and Musgrove and even Chris Paddock pitching reasonably well. If you're getting five innings consistently from Paddock, that's at least not a complete drain on the pen on the days that he goes too. So I, I see them... I think the way I would summarize this is I think the gap between the Giants and the Padres record-wise is wider than the actual gap in talent. I think you could probably talk me into the Padres Mm -hmm. as the third best team in the NL, but I think rationally, I think because of the moves they've made at the deadline and because of their depth, I would still take the Giants slightly ahead of them. And I'm saying this, if you're watching us on YouTube, as the guy yet again wearing a Padres hat, why does he always wear a Padres hat? Because his other hats are still packed in a bag somewhere and he hasn't (laughs) found them. No, but like the things that the Padres, the things that the Giants are better at than the Padres are things that'll win you games over the regular season, but may not win you like the uh, games in the postseason. The things that the Giants are better at are like, oh, when somebody gets hurt, uh, we have a good replacement. 
You know, like Sammy Long is better than some of the, you know, bullpen start, you know, call up starters that they've had in in San Diego. Mauricio Dubon is is a better, you know, fill in center fielder than I mean, that's not a great example because Tatis is the guy right now. But uh, he's pretty good. I've heard. Uh, But you know what I'm saying is that sort of depth stuff that I think the Padres need to work on. They need to work on their depth. uh, And that's been a big part of why they fell back when they started to have all these injuries. Uh, but then if you're talking about a five-game series. Now you're like, oh, well, who's your starting lineup tonight? And who's your starting pitcher tonight? As for Darvish, uh, you know, one thing that we found when we were doing the research for Pitching Plus was just that that stuff is, you know, stuff stays with you from year to year, but uh, it's command that's kind of finicky and kind of goes in and out. Uh, and that's what I'm seeing with Darvish is just like, if you look at, you know, his best years, his best years, he has a really low home run rate um, and a low walk rate. And his worst years, uh, he has a big home run rate. That's that's all command to me. Right. I think command can waver in the event of, of a lingering injury, which is what he's been kind of or, dealing with for a little while now. Or a certain enforcement situation. Well, do you want to go down that rabbit hole? Eh, not really. That's Ooh, ego. <laughs> Throwing shade. Uh, I mean... Obviously, what's kind of funny, and I'm glad you brought that up, you know, is all, remember how this was the hot storyline in baseball? We haven't heard about it at all. Are guys com- complicit? Are they? Uh, you know, it is something that uh, I, I do talk about with coaches and stuff. I mean, uh, when I wrote about it, it's been coming back a little bit. I got a text from a coach saying, yeah, I'm glad you wrote that. You know, it was a hitting coach. Uh, but he was saying, like, I'm glad you wrote that. We're seeing spin come back. Um it is, uh, I think maybe the, the effect on the game uh, overall wasn't large enough to capture people's attention maybe a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, we did this and strikeout rate went down 1%. You know, it's like, okay. <laughs> Are we supposed to be super excited about that? Yeah. Um, so, uh, because it didn't change the game fundamentally, people are like, ah, maybe it wasn't as big a deal as we thought. I still think it was a pretty big deal. Um, and I think selective enforcement was a big deal. You know, you never want to have a rule in the books that somebody at some point could just decide they want to take advantage of because the stakes are too high. Um, but it's also something that somebody told me about the the steroid crisis The the guy who uh, reported on, remember, uh, uh, Mark McGuire had the androstenone or something in his locker. Yeah. Remember somebody like report on that? And I actually remember this as a kid. I, I, I found it kind of weird to me. He came out with that and then he got vilified. And there was like, people were like, why didn't people report more on steroids? Well, one guy tried to and he got beaten into the ground. Like, I think he got, he almost got beaten off the beat. Like, he just like, he's not, he, he wasn't like a baseball writer after that. Uh, and everyone's like, oh, you're not allowed to look at you. Why are you looking in his locker? Oh, that's that's totally fine. It's totally legal. Well, now it's not. So it actually was part of the problem. And he was just trying to do some of the reporting on it, you know? Um, so I don't know. I think there's a lot of different reasons that... And also, last thing is, it's kind of inside baseball, right? It's kind of like you have to explain why it matters. You have to explain what spin rate is. You have to explain... Right, you have to explain yeah. a lot of things before you before someone understands why it's a big deal that somebody put pine tar on their fingers. Yes, I also think they've stopped televising the checks. Right, I haven't seen one on TV, and so there goes the like. Then you're not talking about them, right? That people aren't most people, which aren't I would prefer. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it does lead to a difference in public opinion about it. They were showing it on the scoreboard. And they didn't I think catch at the game anybody. On Tuesday. That's the last thing. They didn't catch anybody. People care about names. Yeah. That, yeah, Caleb, I mean, Caleb, Caleb Smith, Smith and, and, shrug. Yeah, that's not gonna. That's not moving the needle. <laughs> yeah, what Hector Santiago? Yeah, doesn't matter. Like not him as a person, but just the fact that he got caught. That doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, the, the last thing on the the playoff race, I was looking at the Pythagorean win loss records for teams. The Dodgers, kind of in their own tier, eighty nine and forty five. Rays, Astros, White Sox, all clustered together at eighty three and eighty two wins respectively. The Giants actually do come in second there. So based on that. They'd be in that big three along with the Brewers. The Jays would be the next team on there, so maybe they've been a little bit uh, unlucky this year. Oh, they have. They have the run. They have a run differential that's twice as good as the Yankees. Brutal. Brutal. Yeah, that's a team gonna, I wanted to see in October. But I think they might be happen. the best team that gets left out. I could buy that. 
Uh, it's still good long term, right? Like, who are they going to lose? Maybe, I mean, Ray's a big deal, but maybe they can sign Ray. They got Barrios. Like, they're going to sign some other pop-up starter. Like, I don't know. They're, like, they have a really good young group of hitters. Yeah, yeah, they'll be back and certainly in the mix again uh, next year. I'm surprised Britt thinks the Cardinals are still alive. I mean, other than they, they're yeah, the Cardinals and they're always go. alive. But like, what's, you guys, what is it what, about that team yeah, that you what like, speaks Britt? to you about the Cardinals? Uh, nothing really speaks to me. I just think they're sneaky. They're like hanging around here. They, they've yeah. been hanging around here in the NL wild card race, right? So what they're I always said. solid, I guess. Oh, listen, Wainer, I just turned 40 and he's still pitching really well. Um, yeah. It's interesting, him, Verlander's close to 40, right? Scherzer's 37. Like, as much as the game is getting younger, there is this faction of older guys. Um, nothing speaks to me. It's like, I don't watch them and say, like, wow, this team should run away with it all. But they're not catching the Brewers. We know that. But they are and they have been hanging around in this race, in the wild card race. So, like, all it takes, if, as you guys know, is a hot week. And if they get in, could they be dangerous? I think I so. I, that, mean, that's, ha- I think they need Flaherty back or something. I, yeah. Like, who's the, their the second Flaherty, best pitcher? The Flaherty issue is, is, I mean, they said they didn't really say he's out for the season, right? But they kind of also didn't set a timetable on him, which in September yeah. means you're out for the season, right? It's for the most rough. part. Yeah. Strange so, shoulder. I don't know. You know, Edelman's having a good year, though. Wasn't he just named player of the week? Um, yeah. Yeah. They have been. They've been beating the, car, the, the Reds a little bit. Like, they've been... Who, ha- who they have to beat to get to where they want to go. That's right. Um, that's right. I just, but just when I look at the team, I'm like, who's your second best starting pitcher? And like, they, they're kind of rotating through closers now. And like, yes, but once you get to the playoffs, it's not the best. It's just getting to the playoffs, right? It's never the best team that, it's almost never the best team that wins the World Series. Like, Buck Trollwater used to have this great saying, like, there's no Cinderella's once you. Like, there's no Cinderella's 162 game season. But once yeah. you make it, it's a total crapshoot. Who's going to have a hot week or two? That's all it takes. People yeah. kept, like, pooping all over the Nationals in 19, and they just, like, stormed all. Like, they don't have a bullpen. How can they win? Like, my hand is also raised because I also was like, they have a, they don't have a bullpen. How can they win? It's all about bullpens. Well, they turned that whole thing on their head, right? So. My team like that is is kind of the, the Red Sox, I think. Yeah. Like, so, Yes. Again, I'm sorry for saying, hey, are the Cardinals still alive? But I just thought it was a fun topic to debate. You guys have some <laughs> yeah. topics. You bring me on this show to spice it up. So I was like, yeah, so the Cardinals. <laughs> no, but I, my team kind of like that, that is the Red Sox because right now it looks like they're kind of in a disaster piece theater where like COVID and they've got it. They called a guy up, Jack Lopez. Oh, man. He has been in the minor leagues. What was it? I need to get this right. He was drafted. He was drafted in 2011, and he just made his debut. I guess there's like more. There's been like 30 year olds and 31s. He was only 28, but that's still a long time to be in the minor leagues before you get your debut. Um, and the reason why is because everybody has COVID uh, on the Red Sox, and so it's kind of easy to lump them in with like the Mets and be like, oh god, you know, here's a team in a tailspin. They're not going to make it. Uh, but if they make it through the COVID situation. And they get their guys back like, you know, they actually have like marshaled this team to the point where like they kind of papered over most of their flaws. Their bullpen's not amazing, but they've got some good arms back there and they've discovered some guys over the season. Their rotation's not amazing, but they're going to have two guys at the top that can that can that can start in, in any postseason series. And, you know, that wildcard game sale versus uh, versus Cole. I think that was going to be that'd be an amazing game. I think that'll be a really good game. And it's basically a coin flip in terms of win probability, I think, for either side of this. It's going to be close to that. And if you only have to use two or three of the Red Sox relievers, their two or three best relievers, when they're pitching well, are probably on the same level as the Yankees' two or three best relievers. So, you know, if that game goes 15, then in that case, sure, the Yankees probably have more depth. Probably the Yankees, yeah. <laughs> but in a normal, like a nine-inning game, the season on the line, Cole versus Sale, and the Yankees would only be a very slight favorite there. So I, I could see people sleeping on them just a bit if they get there. The playoff team that no one talks about, the team that was an easy best three in the AL that gets no attention, it seems like, is the White Sox. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They, they, how often do people talk about the White Sox? And they've had a bunch of stuff go wrong. And part of it's that they, they're in what I think is pretty easily the easiest division in the league. So maybe people doubt them for that reason. But 
they look good. They look really good. They could score runs. The bullpen's solid. The rotation is certainly good enough. I think it'll I, be it'll be it's that rotation. Rodon was down two and a half miles per hour in his last start. Yeah, and I, I think his his health is always a concern, right? As great as the season has been, one of the first questions you would have had back in May or June is what is he going to look like in August and September? Hopefully he's healthy. Hopefully he's still pitching well. We're starting to see maybe some signs of fatigue from him. But if you have Giolito, Lynn, even Cease as your your core three, let's say Rodon's hurt or he's not as effective, that's a pretty good first three when you have the bullpen that they have and you have the offense that scores runs the way that they can put runs on the board. And they got a few kind of X factors in the bullpen too with Kopech and this version of Reynaldo Lopez. This is one of the better versions of Reynaldo Lopez that we have seen. So what if you only need three innings out of Rodon, right? Right. If he yeah. gets to the lineup once and, and the velo's still down, you have a couple Lopez of guys you can turn to. For you know, Kopech comes out and then all of a sudden you're you're down to uh Kimbrel uh Hendricks, right? Like they could do a they could do some weird strategies. And I think Tony LaRusso would, would actually do those strategies where he'd just be like, Everyone pitches two innings tonight. Here we go. You know? What if you got four innings from Kimbrel and Hendricks? Yeah. You're, what do you even right. need from your starters? You guys are right there. No one is talking about them in their Chicago and they have Tony LaRusso. I feel like they went through a, a wave where they were talked about all the time and then we all just kind of forgot. Like fatigue right. or something. Yeah, just like it's put also, them in a box. Yeah. I, I was but, about to say something about the market, but it's not really the market. Maybe it's the market of their opponents. Maybe it's the fact that they're running away with the division, so there's yeah. no like there's, there's no, no intrigue. Like they're 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 in the playoffs already. They can already start to do the like schedule game where they're like ooh, you're gonna rest this guy and i'm surprised they're not resting rodone like two and a half miles down hopefully just put him back on the il yeah they should give him a bit of a breather but you figure they're healthier now than they've been at any point this season right you finally have grandal and luis robert back you've got eloy back that's huge andrew vaughn's quietly putting together a good season guys it's kind of crazy it's yeah. it's remarkable. I mean, Tim Anderson just doing Tim Anderson things banged up right now. They're giving him some rest, which I think will serve them well once they get to the postseason if they can get him completely healthy again. Jose Abreu, I think Kevin Goldstein wrote a good piece about him earlier this week that I still have to get back to. But I think Jose Abreu is one of the more underappreciated mashers of the last five years, in part because some of those White Sox teams he's played on have been pretty bad. But really, since day one with the White Sox, he's been every bit as good, if not better than expected at every turn as a hitter. Well, I mean, he won an MVP, so he got some attention, but... But he he's still, he's awesome. I think otherwise, if he didn't get more, more attention, it might be because he's like a 280, you know, 25 to 28 homer guy, which is like a weird place to be. It's like you're never going to lead the league in homers. You're never going to lead the lead in batting average. You know, it's like kind of an it's kind of like an old school first baseman that's actually might lead the league in RBI, which like, you know, I guess we've we've all decided it sucks as a stat, so we're not going to talk about. It. Well, we like WRC plus. He's got a career one thirty three WRC plus, and he came into the big leagues post peak. Yeah, that's true. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. There's a lot of teams. The Brewers are 10 games up as well, and they don't really get a whole lot of attention either. It's just like, ah, the Brewers are good. They do, they do on this show, frankly. Yeah, because of Derek. <laughs> I wonder what that is. <laughs> that's, that's strange. You know what? Derek has also been pounding the Tampa Bay Rays drum, so I was going to say the Rays are underappreciated, but not on this podcast. Either. Yeah. Um, no. You know, no. I, not on this I podcast. think there's a couple funny things that happened since we last spoke about the Rays. You guys pick a – everyone, let's pick a, let's pick a champion now. 
Champion? Okay. On on September second, we're gonna pick champion. a champion. <laughs> what am I? Am I German or something? A uh, champion. Uh, yeah, a world champion, like a a Whoa. winner, a World Series winner. There you go. That's the okay. right. That's the right. That's the right words. <laughs> All right. Who you be? World Series champion. Who you be? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Who you be? Who you be? Uh, I actually, uh, uh, I, I. I was asked a, a similar kind of question uh, on Starkville. It's coming out on Tuesday. And so I will uh, ruin that for uh, Starkville listeners and say I picked the Brewers. <laughs> oh, man. Ooh. We are spending a lot of time together, aren't we? <laughs> are you guys going to watch the games together? Watch parties now that Derek's out there? Yeah, we, we, we went We went to the game on uh, Tuesday. It's weird to watch a baseball game with someone that you talk baseball with all the time when you don't normally watch games together. Yeah. And then you start talking about things that aren't baseball. Because it's baseball. I mean, that's that's actually one of the reasons I fell in love with baseball. Was I? And this is a funny thing because we talk about pace, right? And we talk about, oh, we need to like, you know, do all this. We need to get younger fans. But like, one of the reasons I loved baseball from the beginning was uh, that there was like hanging out time. Yeah, me too. You know, me like too. there was like you could actually talk about something like I went to a football game once and it was a preseason Patriots football game. I hadn't seen my friend in a long time. So I think it was Paul Swyden, maybe. I don't know. We were just talking and I think the person in front of us turned around and was like, stop talking about stuff that's not football or something. And I was like, we got yelled at. And I was just like, as a baseball fan, if that happened to me at a baseball park, I'd be like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but look, yeah. so the core demographics for baseball are the generation that Lewis Black is a part of. Like he has described his generation as being the greatest of all time at hanging out, which yeah. I, I would agree with. Like people that are in that like 60 and up group, like they're great at just sitting around just kind of shooting the breeze about anything and pretending to be an expert in anything. Like they're yeah. great at that. No generation will ever be as good at chit chat and small talk. Because we all and, have Google. And that's that's part of his joke. He's like, you guys, you're all doing research. And it's like, well, yeah, we, we want to know the truth. We want to just, we're not going to we pretend like we understand like these things. True. You know, I think it was better like the other way because every time I say something to my husband, he like, well, look it up. He's like, well, let's look it up on our phones. Well, let's not. Oh. Why don't you just listen to what I said? Um, I, I have a really good friend I, like that. And I, I'm just like, don't. Don't. Don't why, do it. Why prove me wrong when I have this bravado? Um, I, I agree with the pace. I used to, I have vivid memories and also of hockey before they changed um, a lot of the rules um, to, to fix the pace in hockey of doing my homework while the game was on and talking to my dad. And baseball is a sport where you can do that. And my dad mm. could answer and converse, right? And it's not the same in football at all. So... Um, I do have have memories of that. Should I pick my world champion now on September second? I'm gonna get uh, crushed. Yeah. Um, you know what? Uh, <laughs> I I don't want I don't want the Houston Astros to win, but I think the Houston Astros might win. Nice. That's They're good just one. good enough, right? So never the obvious team. It's always it's always the less obvious team, that second tier. I think they're just good enough to do it, and they've got Dusty Baker. They could kind of do some of that national stuff, right? Where they have like seven starters, so they could just they could use their starters to paper over their problems in the bullpen if there yes. are any. Yes, and yeah. I just they're, they're just they've been hitting all year. That they just have a lot of talent. They're just a really talented team. As much as people don't like them, they're really talented. They are good, and I think back at the beginning of the season, they were a good bet just based on the odds, too, over at BetMGM. I swear, during one of the promos, oh, several of the promos. Oh, Astros, Ritz. I, I, yeah, <laughs> We've, yeah. He's, he's taking the oh, moniker no. off his shoulders. I'm so now. glad. I'm so glad. It, it's like, I don't know what they call this game anymore. When we were kids, we called it Old Maid, where you have the you know the one card that you don't want to get. Well, yeah. that's what the Astros are that's on this show. It's problematic now. We have to come up with a new name for that. Yeah, I'm sure they call the game something else, so I, I apologize for not knowing i don't have kids but they're now your astros brit and i'm not taking that card back out of your hands uh as as much as i as much as i think they are legit i I think they could just as easily you know cruise to the al as any other team because i think they do have the the star power i think it's nice to have the experience of having been there before too just an extra bonus not necessary but it's good to have it um i i think it's the dodgers i said this on the athletic baseball show that'll be up on friday (laughs) 
I I think the Dodgers are. Maybe you guys disagree with this, but growing up, the Yankees were the team to hate because they got all the best free agents, they made all the trades, they spent all the money, and they won all the time. So if you didn't live in New York, if you weren't a Yankees fan, you just didn't like the Yankees. They were the evil empire back then. They've been replaced. They are not the most evil team in baseball. The Dodgers are the most evil team to, in baseball. You have to win a lot to be evil, right? Like you yeah. have to you have to win championships and you have to like win the division every year. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But here's an interesting thing I found when I looked at um, the trade deadline and whether or not like all of the consolidation of power that we had in this last trade deadline was actually good for baseball. Uh, there's actually evidence uh, across sports that uh, dynasties are good for the sport. Hmm. And I think it's this sort of evil thing. First of all, dynasties mean that you have repeat, especially for casual fans, you have repeat faces you you recognize right oh cory seager's back oh justin turner back oh the guy from lord of the rings is back you know and so uh <laughs> you'll have to figure out who that is but you'll once you get it you'll know exactly who i'm talking about um and uh, <laughs> uh yeah, i'm gonna get is that gonna get me in trouble anyway um my point is they're recognizable you hate them or, or a lot of people hate them, or you love them because you're you're from Southern California, um, or you or you want to be from Southern California. So dynasties are 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 good, uh, good for for sports apparently. And I think it's partially this either love them or hate them, but you know who they are, right? Then that can be part. Of, that's sort of our part of our ongoing conversation about whether or not the Rays are bad for baseball and blah 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 and like. The, the one thing that we I think we might agree on is that it's a little problematic to cycle through players so quickly that people just don't know who's on the team this year. Yes. Like Willie Adamas was a recognizable face from the Rays that went to the World Series last year, and he's not on their team anymore. Yeah, I agree. He was a starting shortstop. He was young. Yes. He should have been there for a while. Yeah. yeah, but I think more people remembered that team because of Randy Arozarena, and at least he's still there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I yeah, guess. But yeah. Think about yeah, jersey he, sales. It's hard to what, what what jerseys you know getting his kids. They're big race fans. What jersey is safe, right? Like it it is tough to build. Yeah. Fans. Randy's twenty eight or twenty. He's already twenty eight or something. He's gonna be gone. I think all of this comes back to something. So, Britt, you weren't on the show. I think on Monday when this came up. But this is the same sort of argument that happens a lot of times with developing aces, like developing stars. Obviously, very hard to do. There are fewer stars in the game than we want there to be. There aren't enough stars to have every team have two, right? That's just not how it works. But if you make the lines a little broader, if you say, you know what, a three and a half win player, four win player, that's actually a star player. That's like a top 15% sort of player. Okay, so then you have maybe you have stars and superstars. Then it's just semantics, right? A top 10 player is a superstar, but a 11 to 40 range player, that's just a star. And you might have two or three guys in the 11 to 40 range. And yeah, maybe they don't sell as many jerseys or maybe they're not out in front. Maybe the league doesn't promote them that well, but they're still really good players. I think that's kind of part of what's happening here, too. Uh, but anyway, I, I think this postseason is lining up to be really good because I think the Brewers are absolutely good enough to play a great series, even against the loaded Dodgers lineup, because the pitching's good enough. The rotation's mm -hmm. good enough. The bullpen is both good enough and deep enough where they can actually go head-to-head -head with the Dodgers. I would agree that the Padres, if they get there, could actually do it. I believe they're they're good enough to hang around in a series like that, too. And I think we just got out of, we kind of wonder right now, are the Giants on that level or not? And this weekend, we get a chance to see those two teams square off. They're tied for first right now, entering the weekend. So that's top of the list, probably, of, of series to watch this weekend. Uh, but I think the good versus evil is actually really important for the game. You need enemies. Like baseball was in a pretty healthy place in terms of the national conversation back when the Yankees were dominating when we were kids. That wasn't a bad era for baseball popularity. Having a team full of stars that wins all the time probably is good because we have a common enemy. 90% of the fans in the game all root against that one team. That's a good thing. It's like a it's like a comic book, right? You need villains for superheroes to be interesting. This is why the Astros, people, pe they were actually not bad for baseball. That whole cheating scandal, like, actually wasn't A lot bad, of attention, in my yeah. Yeah. LeBron James was tweeting about it, right? Like, yeah, I just yeah. think it kind of, like, transcended a little bit. Um, I don't like my World Series winning pick. I, 
Um, Derek, I don't know if you like your Dodger pick. You know, might like his oh. Brewers pick. <laughs> I'll just leave it Mine on the is screen fine because it's just like it's it's fun. It's uh, it's somebody who has won in a long time. It's uh, they seem young and exciting, and they they do actually have some stars. They're not quite Raisian, you know. Like they kind of they signed Christian Yelich to a long term deal. They wanted to keep him around. May not uh, work out for them, but. Uh, you know, it's still fun. <laughs> He's still like the face of their of their franchise. Still, a guy's going to be around. So, and actually, some of my optimism is, is actually based on Christian Yelich because his his work at the plate is is fine. Like in terms of his eye at the plate, it's fine. So I, I feel like you give him a cortisol shot at the right moment, and uh, and you get you know three weeks of of mashing out of him, and and that might change everything. Forget cortisol. Give him Toradol. It's not like the, that's like the next step up. Um, it's like horse is that, tranquilizer. Is that the same sort of deal, like local painkiller type steroid thing? Yeah, although it has some like serious long term ramifications because I asked one of my trainer friends about it once, and he's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Well, pro athletes do it." He's like, "Yeah." Uh. That's that's why they break down so hard after they're done. Oh, yeah, gosh. basically. Um, yeah. So speaking yeah, I was talking of like trying, and he said he didn't even want to do. He doesn't even get cortisol. Because he said, all you're doing is, is it's like, it's on top of, it's just like making it feel good so that you can keep playing. And he's like, but if it hurts, you're doing something wrong. So don't just keep doing something wrong. Don't just like, you know, you know, have a painkiller on top of it. You know, you have to do something, you have to figure it out. Yeah, it depends on the injury. But I mean, speaking of like picks, like, or things you really don't want to happen, do you guys think Bryce Harper's going to get some serious NL MVP steam here? Deserves it. I mean, Tatis. I think it actually. I and I think it. And it's going to sound like this is. I'm. I'm annoyed, and this is stupid. But I think it actually (laughs) might matter who makes the playoffs, Mm. because you know, WAR is not exact to a decimal point. So I. I wouldn't. I would never. If I had the MVP vote, I would never be like, well, Bryce Harper has a six point two, and Fernando Tatis has a six point one. So therefore, it's Bryce Harper. So I think it's actually okay if you have a bunch of guys who have six wins, you might have three of them, to be like, okay, let me consider some other factors. You know? And I think yeah. it might be okay if one of those factors was what happened with that team. Yeah. Is that a crazy yeah. idea? Is, yeah. <laughs> my whole time <laughs> Is that crazy? Am I am I am I uh, am I am I losing I have to give up my fangrafts card? No. No, no I don't I don't think I think that's just how it works, but I'm actually curious if you guys think that Trey Turner could win the NL MVP despite being traded in the middle of the season. Whoa, that's an aggressive take I haven't heard. Well, that's why I was talking about this. Like, if you look at who's going to end up with around six wins, it's Muncie and Turner are going to both be there. Uh, And Will Smith. Uh, But I think that's going to be a problem, too. Uh, Another narrative sort of thing is if there's three of them, uh, how could any one of them be the most valuable? Yeah, which... Which, again, <laughs> I'm sorry. Here's my Fangraphs card. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my card must have got... My card must have gotten lost in the mail. Well, these are the things. That, these are the things that we rail against at Fang, or we used to rail against at Fangraphs. We were like, you know, no, it's just about value. You know, it doesn't matter. These other things are contextual. It doesn't matter how many wins the the team wins. Well. What if your stat that you're using, what if Fangrass is not actually that uh, exact down to a decimal point, and these are actually just a grouping of players, then yeah, I think it does matter because there are soft things like uh, leadership skills, right? That can sort of bleed to the people around you, right? Yeah. I don't know. I see I see a case building for Tatis that's pretty strong. Really? Because he's going to be right there with all the rest of them. If the Padres make the postseason, it, you're going to have all this like on-off, right? When he was off the field, they were losing. When he came back on the field, he hit home. Every time he came back for the DL, he, he hit homer. IL, he, he hit a homer, right? So it's like, oh, that's what we were missing. <laughs> so I don't know. I think, I think, and also he's going to have like the traditional numbers, like homers, stolen bases, all that stuff. Like he's going to, he's going to be all over that. Derek? Derek? Bryce Harper is, <laughs> he's kind of the, the LeBron of baseball in the sense that he was hyped from the time he was a teenager and he's just come up and just been everything he was supposed to be as a player. Like what, what to this point in his career has Bryce Harper failed to do other than win a world series. And in a game like this, it's like, well, 
if we don't hold it against Mike Trout, why would he hold it against Bryce Harper? He's a great player, and I think he could have amazing years like this for a few more years, and it would still be somehow under-discussed, which is bizarre, because if you thought back in the beginning of his career, if he was going to be a perennial MVP candidate in his late 20s, it would be the only thing we would talk about. And instead, it's like, oh yeah, Bryce Harper's having a good year. Let's give it to someone else. His teams don't do well. Uh, It may or may not have something to do with his leadership skills and his and his abilities in the clubhouse and and what sort of clubhouse he 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 creates around himself. Um, But he and or maybe it's just he wasn't on great teams. But the thing is, uh, uh, if he was running away with it, if he if he had seven wins and everyone else had six, then I'd have no problem. You know, then I have no problem being like, that's it. Except he's just in a group. I think he's when you were talking earlier about sort of difference between superstars and stars, like I just think he's in a group. He's a really good player. He's in a group. He's not LeBron. LeBron, if you look at LeBron's like uh, advanced stats and stuff, he's always like way out in front. He's LeBron is Willie Mays. Oh, and to, to clarify, I don't think Harper is like the equivalent in terms of what he's done on the field. I think in terms of like just hype, the hype like and he's, he's like around. the only he's like the baseball equivalent in that he was supposed to be amazing. We heard about him and at a really and young age. And instead, and he's, he's just really amazing. good. He's just really good. He's he's pretty close to the hype. Yeah. It's, the hype wasn't unwarranted, but he's not putting up like, you know, 10 win seasons like Trout. That would be in that case. Then he would also be like LeBron in terms of output. That's what but, I'm saying. Right. But right. I think I think maybe because we thought he was going to be a, a perennial eight to ten win guy, that he's only a six win guy, going to be a six win guy this year somehow is a disappointment. But when the rest of the league is below him, like what he's the best offensive player in the NL right now in terms of WRC plus. He's got a one sixty six. He's definitely a top three guy for me. It's just the, the order of that three may have to do with something other than wins above replacement for me. Sure, and I, I think quality of team is a fine tiebreaker for these types of awards. I mean, what do you think, Britt? You've you've voted on these awards before. Like, you how much does that vote? play? You don't you? have this vote, do you? No, I don't have this vote. I'm just here to yeah. stir the pot, guys. You know the the Cardinals, Bryce Harper. I was like, well, how can I? <laughs> Tommy get Edmund is the MVP. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how can I get Eno and DVR to really go off here on this e- evening edition of Rates and Merrills? Uh, I I, I kind of side with you guys. I think if it if he's far and away the best player, give it to him. But if it's a tiebreaker, you have to look at the team, the leadership, um, all those other qualities. And so to me, I wouldn't, I'd, I'd put him high in my ballot. I wouldn't give him the MVP. We still have a month to play. So a lot could change, right? If the Phillies win 10 games, storm into the NL East led by Bryce Harper, does that change your mind? I mean, it could, right? If Tatis gets injured again, you know. Right. If the Padres fall off a cliff here, um, does that change the the balance here a little bit? It could. And as much as we don't want to admit it, I think the media bias certainly plays a role here. Everyone loves Tatis. He's friendly. He smiles. He does interviews. Uh, Bryce Harper is harder to deal with. And fair or not fair, I think that's often a tiebreaker for people who vote is is this guy nice to me? Is he nice? Do I like him? Uh, and that's just kind of some of the biases that creep into these votes, right? It happens all the time. Um, and it really shouldn't, but, you know, cause like you guys said, Bryce Harper's a great player, but, uh, I don't know. It just, it's interesting because I didn't hear much about him and now like twice in the last week, I've seen these like stories about how no one's talking about how great Bryce Harper is. I think because we over-talked Bryce Harper for a decade or so, that maybe under-talking him for a few years will just balance out the whole equilibrium of Bryce Harper. <laughs> it could, it could. So I think the other team that could throw someone into the mix here would be the Reds. Like if the Reds are a playoff team, Castellanos maybe. Castellanos is he actually could in be. the mix in war. His, his defense is not amazing. Yeah, he's you know below average defender, so he's only at four war right now. And uh, Winker has missed a little time. He actually has more plate appearances than Castellanos, but his defense is a little worse, so he's a little further down. But Joey Votto kind of ticks the box of, hey, he's kind of popular, and people like when he talks, and he's had this sort of rebound season that sure is a good story. So I wonder if the Reds get really hot in September and find their way into the playoffs, if we'll see Votto sort of surface as a a late-season candidate for NL MVP. I never would have expected that, but just seems like it's a possibility i just want to get him some hardware i don't know what it is he has the best iso of his career at 38 this is what like what doesn't normally happen what i love well, him just, God, just I love him. 
give him <laughs> didn't we come up with awards one year and we're just gonna we should do an award <laughs> show at the end of september and we will just go ham on joey Votto awards what is it so. give, let's give joey Votto the joey Votto award <laughs> does anybody have that 3d printer we were looking for a while back and that, i mean drop you, us an email <laughs> I mean, and also let us know, would you like for The Athletic to fly the three of us to a playoff game to do these games live together? I would. Sounds like a great time. <laughs> that would be good. That would be good. That'd be fun. I thought you were going to say fly us out to do an award show and just oh. hand players these little trophies. <laughs> that would be excellent. Mostly because I could see Eno wearing like this like suede suit or something totally out of control that you're like, yeah, that, that's Eno. <laughs> This would be my first interaction with many of these people, so I'm sure it'd be a great first impression to make. And no one's ever seen me in a suit, so what kind of suit would it be? I, I'm, th- I'm literally thinking like purple suede, like something completely yeah. like <laughs> off the reservation. And you're like, that's, you know. <laughs> get my tailor on it. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get direct TV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream direct TV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream direct TV without a satellite dish. Visit directtv.com. High speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I think there is a pretty interesting thing happening in Seattle that we should talk about, which is weird. Like They're kind of a, a sneaky, hanging-around playoff team as well. They are not good based on Pythagorean win-loss, but hey, you know what? You do the opposite of Toronto and you hang around longer than you should. You start to play a little better with that young core you got. And maybe, just maybe, you find yourself playing into the last days of the season, possibly finding the second wild card. I don't think that's going to happen, but we saw extensions for the manager, Scott Service, and for Jerry Depoto. I believe was also promoted, no longer the GM, but has a, a team president-y sort of title. So... You know, do you feel like this was deserved, given that the Mariners probably arrived a, a year or so earlier than expected? Do you buy that their overall improvement as an organization, regardless of what you think about them for 2021 specifically, merits both service and Depoto getting the extensions? Um, it, I don't know. <laughs> wow. I don't know. Here's there's I see pretty compelling Awkward. arguments. In both, I see pretty compelling <laughs> arguments in both directions. And uh, in fact, I got attacked for this on Twitter the other day. I don't know how to talk about that. Um, the here's the thing. Here's the good. They have found guys. They have found guys. I have in front of me Steamer's updated uh, projections. So that's that would be like over the full course of the season what what they think they'll end up with, right? And you're talking about uh, above average is is two wins, right? Uh, so uh, they've got. France, Seeger, uh, Seeger's not going to be there, but so let's take him out because we're talking about core. France, Crawford, Hanniger, and Toro are all above average players, right? So that's uh, France, Crawford, Hanniger, Toro. That's five guys. Four guys? Four guys. Mm-hmm. Let's say a healthy Lewis gives them a shot at five between Lewis and, and Kelnick. They, maybe it's five. Um, I did. Uh, I did some research where I said, 
what is enough to be a core? And uh, the question, the answer was uh, three or four, uh, four above average young players was good enough. That's enough to be a core. Um, but I have seen other people point out that uh, we've been talking about stars and uh, and really like really above average, like, you know, three win players. Think about this. If you have a, a bunch of average players, you're 81 and 81, right? <laughs> so so it's not that great that their guys are like 2.1 win guys. You know, it's like, OK, you're an 82 win team. Um, and that is what we're waiting on for them is something beyond that. Kalnick maybe could still be it. Julio Rodriguez could be it. Nuevas Martez could be it. But in terms of like what they have right now, it does not look like a core of a comfortably above average team. So it's kind of a little bit funny to get a big extension right now, I think. Yeah, maybe it's a tick premature, but it was two years, right? It wasn't like five. So I yeah, it kind is, of get it's it. It's kind of pooper get off the potty extension, I guess. Yeah. This is, this is your shot. Yeah, I was kind of mad on it. And baseball people that I talked to were kind of like, what have they done, really, right? And and so you're right. Like, what have they done? They've, they've gotten a good farm system. Well, so have the Orioles. I do think Seattle is set up to be better sooner than Baltimore. But um, I don't know. I think a lot of the times these extensions are based off of what they aim to do here. And you're right. You know, like, if they're, if they're not good in two years, it's an easy decision to make. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, it was just kind of like one one random. Were they expiring at the end of this year? Do you guys know? The weird thing I don't now, recall. Yeah, because the weird thing now, this new trend in baseball, is that nobody talks about how long these deals are for or how much money they're for for these like upper echelon front office guys. So nobody really knows. Like, they don't really it, want the media reporting on the lame duck, right? There's a whole lame duck philosophy. They don't want to know when it's when it's over so that we don't spend a whole, you know, two months writing. Is Jerry DePoto going to extend it or is it going to go into next year as a lame duck GM? Yes. Yes. I'm glad you brought it back for another line. (laughs) So if that's the case, like if they were extending, like whatever, give them the two year extension. It doesn't really bother me. If they had another year or something and they did this kind of prematurely, I would be a little more like, meh. but there's just so much we don't know. In terms of these contracts, I'm fine with it. It's whatever. I think the biggest obstacle here in baseball front office-wise is the Mets, and it's not even close. So Seattle, like, and their big news kind of got buried in the week that was the New York Mets, anyway, for me. That's something that, no, but hey, give DePoto some credit. Like, he's not, like, he doesn't, that, that stuff's not going on around him. He seems to be hiring some decent people around him. It's They're not, like... You know, a DUI and I mean, just I don't I don't have to list all the stuff that the Mets have done. Like, you know, <laughs> like DePoto hires decent people. The The farm system has turned out some some wins. Uh, they seem on the cusp. I mean, I, I'm, I'm now again arguing in the other direction that like he's done a <laughs> decently good job. It's a, it's a meh. It's a meh. So Brit's on meh. Eno has started to argue both sides. So I guess I have to pick a lane on this one. I think it makes sense. I think two extra years, assuming it was going to be up at the end of this year or possibly at the end of next year, makes sense. A two to three year window for this team. If they go to the playoffs in the next two to three years, then it's success. This is an organization that hasn't had a lot of success. So much is riding on what happens with Kelnick between now and the end of that window, not now and the end of the season, not now and the end of next season. But this is a prospect they basically stole from the Mets, right? Like everyone loved the Kelnick deal. Every day up until he showed signs of struggling in his first taste of big league at bats, he's still probably going to be a very good player and maybe a star. But you have Rodriguez, like you mentioned. Noel V. Marte looks like an impact player. George Kirby will be joining that rotation soon. Uh, You got Gilbert already up and trying to figure things out. I mean, there's to me, there's impact talent in a lot of key places on the roster. And even if J.P. Crawford's never the player that we thought he'd be back in his prospect days, he's at least a good big league shortstop. It's good to have that sorted out too. The Toro trade looks like a huge win for them, at least as of right now, for Kendall Graveman, who wasn't going to be a long-term part of their bullpen. I mean, he was on a one-year deal, right? So I think that's a fantastic trade. There's There's a lot more good than bad with the core they have in place right now. It's all going to come down to this for me. If their player development can hit with this young talent, 
Like if, if they can turn those guys from possible two to three win guys into like a few four to five win guys, that that goes a long, long way for this team to actually be like more of a perennial playoff team than a team that will get there like once in the next few years. Yeah, I, I'm making a decision. All right. I know you're all just on the edge of your seat. <laughs> what will he say? No, I'm going. I think it's a positive. I think it's a positive. I think he's done a decent job. I'm going to go back to that research that I've got that said that four above average players is a core. And one of the last things I want to add is that they haven't really spent money um, while he's been there. And it strikes me a little bit like the Padres where they were, you know, bumbling around at the sort of 90 to 100 million payrolls um, and uh, bumped it up all the way to 200 uh, right now. But, you know, I think the Mariners could live again at sort of 140, 150 million. So that's why a core of young above average players that you know is good enough because you can add a star in free agency. You could like add, for example, if you put a Bryce Harper on this team, that changes the whole complexion of the team. You know what I mean? So I think that they could be major players on a surprise free agent thinking that, hey, now we're going to hopefully add at least one star out of our young guys. And if not, we've, we've added the star in free agency and we have this cheap above average crew of Toro in France and et cetera. I mean, that's I think that's what that's what you do. You, you build and then you spend at the right moment. And I think he's building and he as long as he spends the right moment, uh, it could come together. Yawn. I, this is a long conversation on an essential wait and see. We're going to have to wait and see two years. We're not going to know. Nobody's going to know. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Good point. We are talking about an extension for a team that's probably has a run, negative run differential is probably out of the race by now. Yeah. Well, yeah. then it comes to are they spending that money this off season? And if so, who are they spending it on? Are they a team that gets in on Chris Bryant, possibly? I think that'd be an interesting replacement for Kyle Seager. Yeah, I'm curious to see if they're in the mix because they do have money to spend when the time comes. And if they believe that core is closer to turning the corner than not, you go ahead and start spending it now if you think like there's the Manny Machado deal. There. They got to make their right. Manny Machado deal. Yeah. yeah. And, and maybe I think there are still some teams willing to dump good players with big contracts maybe it's a trade we know mm. depoto loves to trade so maybe they're making a deal for somebody that we're not even thinking about being available because this is a, a free agent class that's you know rich with shortstops but it's not necessarily loaded with everything so you may have to be a little bit creative with how you find that long-term building or you block. sign one of those shortstops and play him somewhere else yeah, sign, you could do sign that. simeon to, because he he falls too far and he's a little bit too cheap you push someone else around It'd be a little awkward to sign uh, Corey Seager and let Kyle go, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not going to do that, are or they? Do you, or do you wait a year? Do you wait a year inside tra- sign Trey Turner as like your mm. build around guy? Because you're not going to be a good team next. You're not going to go for it next year, right? Um, do I don't know. Is this this? I was just looking up also some of the details, and you're right, Britt. Like they don't they don't put like <laughs> it, like when. Like they so in this piece I'm reading, it says that Depoto was in the final year of his of his deal and got a multi year extension in 2018. It doesn't say how many years that extension was in 2018. I told you it's this weird it's this weird new industry trend. And so now we get a multi year extension again on Depoto, and so they tell you it's a two year extension, but two years to when? Like, is it? How many years do you have left? <laughs> um and uh yeah so it's kind of hard to know but i think if it's only like a a short-term extension i think i think they might actually spend some money this offseason because i think the fire is a little bit under his butt because they're probably going to miss the postseason and you know you can't keep selling your owner on the kids are coming the kids are coming especially if a couple kids come up and struggle who wins a playoff game first the mariners or the mets (laughs) <laughs> oh god <laughs> Ooh. Mets Mets because Cohen yeah. is going to clean house he's going to get a whole bunch of new leadership in there uh, and he's going to spend another round of money he's got to I think he's realizing that it's actually not that easy to own a successful baseball team <laughs> he's going takes... to chase he's going to chase bad money with more bad money he's just going to yeah, you're you're right. But I have you guys read the book about him? Um, 
There's a great book about him. It's by a journalist. Cohen didn't speak for it. So it's got like all these different sources that aren't Cohen. Um, terrific book. Um, that guy's not going to handle losing well. So I think you're right, Eno. <laughs> I think he's going to go all in. He's going to basically, you know, throw the ranch at Theo Epstein and see what happens here. But even if not, I mean, they're going to be good again because Steve Cohen can't handle it. He's tweeting about the hitters this year. Like he's just, he, he's going to be the modern day George Steinbrenner, I think. He really is yes. with Twitter. And, if George Steinbrenner had we Twitter. We deserve that. We deserve that. <laughs> we, uh, 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 and I totally agree with Ken's column, by the way. I thought Ken Rosenthal wrote a great uh, pull no punches column. I love it when Ken does that, man. Uh, he uh, does not give an F sometimes. Uh, and uh, I, I think uh, I think they do need to fire Sandy Alderson. I think they need to, to clean – because I think Sandy has, has, has had like three huge missteps this year, including uh, like, you know – Making his son the AGM, that's one that people don't talk about as much, but it's not uh, not one that was received well within the Mets. So, And then and just all this, like how long can we talk about how bad and cancerous the culture is in New York and not blame the guy that was there before and as bad as there again? Yeah, he's a common thread. <laughs> yeah. Like how many of these guys did he hire? It's true. How many strikes do you get? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> The only other question I have about this, we don't have to get into the thumbs down and all that stuff. That story has kind of run its course for me at least. But if you are going to really start over in your front office, you're going to let like, everybody go and bring in a new front office. Which even they if kind you kind of did, but not, not, not good enough. Even if you do that and you bring in Theo to do it and Theo goes out and gets all the people he wants to get from different organizations, everybody he's worked with before that he likes and brings everybody in, are you actually a legitimate world series contender immediately or are you still kind of in that early phase like when when steve steve cohen bought the team he said they were going to try and win right away but it was pretty clear that they also were going to try and build what teams like the dodgers have and i think he made it pretty clear that you don't get player development fixed overnight you know i I think that's still it's almost like in some ways this year ends up being a lost year to getting those pieces in place because of how bad they botch things back during the winter. What does Theo tell you when you hire him? Give me five years. Right. And I don't feel like Mets fans <laughs> want to wait Cohen five say? years. No, what does Steve Cohen say? That the, like, he'd be disappointed if they didn't win between three and five years, the World Series. It was three and five? Yeah. Okay. So now it's two to four. Yeah. I mean, it's it's getting it's getting quicker, getting, getting late early. They got a lot of issues, like roster construction. They got a lot of issues. They need to get DeGrom right. Their offense needs to hit. Michael Conforto, do you offer that guy a qualifying offer and hope that he bounces back somewhat? Maybe. What happens to Dom Smith? Is he just going to not? Is it just that this is Dom Smith this year? Is this it here? Uh, You know, I think they have some real issues that need to be addressed. And does it go all the way down to Rojas, right? Does does Luis Rojas, who I, I like, I think he's a good baseball man. But if they clean house, you're gonna have to clean it totally here. I would they even have stadium buy. issues. That stadium still plays super weird, and nobody can figure out why. Yeah, they have issues within. I mean, Katie Strang and I back in April wrote about all the employment and culture issues they still had. Anyone who thinks that this was only on the Will Ponds has now kind of realized that it it's not just on changing ownership. You have to. Or there, are, or there are still remnants. I mean, there's still, you know, there there's are. still some stuff that's stuck around. Yes, but real change takes actual time. What's crazy mm-hmm. to me about all the "We Want Theo" stuff is that Jared Porter and Zach Scott are Theo guys. They're Theo guys. So <laughs> let's not act. Yeah. So like, let's not act like Theo's gonna come in and like build an ark and put all the animals on it and save the day. <laughs> yes. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Wouldn't great the play. connection there keep the Mets from? actually hiring Theo I mean I, I know it won't but shouldn't it like shouldn't that be the sign like you know what as great as Theo has been with the success that he's had in Boston and Chicago maybe we're not gonna be the third place he goes maybe we're just gonna pass here and, and try something else you'd think that but you know if they hire him something something is going to happen something unexpected who's a, who's a rising star that you can pull away who's the next Heim Bloom, you know, like who are you? Who are I you? I think they've tried to get David Stearns before. 
Yeah, mm. that. Yeah. That so would be those a big, overtures be a could uh, could heat up again. That'd be a big fish right there. Well, yeah, I don't know what they're gonna do. It's a. It's fast. But I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Britt, because it's like why why go why go right back into that path? Why go to the same tree? Like that <laughs> doesn't seem like a good idea. Like look in the mirror, Mets. Think this one through. I, I know thinking things through is not your specialty as an organization. <laughs> oh man, Derek. <laughs> Yikes. Uh... Hey, look, I I I think it'd actually be a mistake. Everyone's gonna want them to get Theo. I think it would be a mistake for them to do it. But just my opinion. Uh, we got anything else that we wanted to get to on the rundown? I'm excited for this weekend because the matchups are good. We got Dodgers Giants, we got Astros Padres. The Reds get a layup against the Tigers they have to make if they want to keep holding on to that second wild card in the NL. Atlanta has to go into the funhouse in Coors. Phillies Marlins, like the Marlins are a pesky spoiler because of their pitching, so that's watchable. Mets Nationals, right? The Mets, the, the, the Mets. constant dumpster fire. Always got the Nationals are playing spoiler. They, yeah. are, they actually lost today. But yeah, they, they melted they, down today. Didn't they have a big lead? <laughs> they were, they're working on it. They're, they're playing okay. Yeah, they're not Despite bad. not having any players. Oh, I hope everyone's got a great holiday weekend filled with lots of baseball. There's some really good games. Burgers and brats. Mm, you guys have brats out here, you know? Yes, we you have, have real brats ones? out here. Are they, are they I, can tell you, I can tell you where the good sausage purveyors are. Oh, there you go. Mm. Please let me know uh, as soon as possible. If you do not have a subscription to The Athletic, you can get one for 50% off at theathletic.com slash rates and barrels it's the best deal that we run throughout the year so get that while you can it's a great time to sign up the two early fantasy baseball rankings they're like a month away those alone are worth the price of a subscription and they're like not even in the top 1000 best things on the athletic over the course of the year so you know keep that in mind uh, on twitter she's at brit underscore Giroli. he is at you know saris i'm at derek and you can always email us rates and barrels at theathletic.com Have a safe and happy Labor Day weekend. We are back with you on Wednesday. Thanks for listening.